Hello and welcome to the latest Tap Talks HR podcast. Today I'm joined by Emma Bridger, Managing Director of the People Lab and author of the CIPD publication on an introduction to employee engagement. Hi Emma, thanks for joining us on Tap Talks HR. Hello Anthony, delighted to be here. Great. So, so Emma, today's podcast is all about employee engagement and 2020. So let's start by being really clear. What is employee engagement? It's a great question to kick us off, isn't it? Um, and not actually a hugely straightforward question to answer. So um, you've already you've already plugged the book. So when I was writing the book, the first edition five years ago, obviously did a load of research trying to answer that question because um, it's quite a it's quite an abstract sort of conceptual word, isn't it? Employee engagement, and and I'm a big fan of making things simple, but. Um, in researching the book, I found kind of 50 plus definitions and counting. So um, being the optimist that I am, uh, or the kind of positive positive minds that I have, I think that's a really great opportunity because there is no single universal definition of engagement, which actually means that we can kind of take it and, and make it our own. We can sort of take some of the, the ideas out there and say, well, what do we want it to mean for us in our organisation? So... Um, the, the definition that I use is, is the extent to which people feel personally involved in the success of a business. So it's not necessarily about people coming to work every day going, hey, I love my job, although you're hoping that they're going to have more than days than not of feeling like that. Um, it's not just motivation. It's more than motivation. Um, it, you know, it, 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 it's lots of different ideas rolled into one. Um, but I think, you know, the fact there is no kind of off the shelf, you must use this definition actually gives us a great opportunity to start our journey with engagement by sitting down in organisations and saying, well, what, what do we want it to mean to us? What, what do we mean by engagement? Um, you know, do we even want to use the word engagement? So some people just say, actually, it's just about creating a great place to work or it's about helping people thrive or be the, their best selves at work. Um, so I think it's, it's a little bit of a cop-out to say there isn't an easy answer, but I, I think that's a real positive, personally. Well, by saying there's not an easy answer means it gives us 20 minutes to fill in an employee engagement podcast, doesn't it? So, <laughs> but it's, it's, that's interesting, isn't it? Because I think what I see sometimes is either people get really deep into what the definition of employee engagement is, or they just see it as this huge organisational-wide survey that produces a number, and that number mm. is how engaged your people are. Mm. And, and I think there's this huge, like, difference when you, I go from organization to organization about that's what you like actually like so I love this kind of being the extent of being how much you're personally involved in the organization I think that's a great catch-all no matter where mm. you're starting from mm. but from your point of view why does employee engagement matter so much and I know that's like a touch point to a flame <laughs> and I'm just about to set off an explosion but but why yeah. does it matter why do we need our people engaged yeah I mean I think there's lots of different lenses you can use to answer that question. I mean, from a commercial point of view, you know, the, the body of evidence is is, is very compelling. Um, you think back, the first piece of evidence was published in the Harvard Business Review back in 98, I think, so over 20 years ago, that for the first time empirically made the link between, you know, how employees feel, how customers feel, the bottom line. So infamously, the kind of Sears um, customer employee value profit chain um, and that was really exciting when that first came out because I think it kind of just in, enforced or reinforced what we all instinctively knew that actually how you treat your people matters. 
but since then there's been a kind of an overwhelming body of evidence that says actually you get it right with your people and you know you have a, a whole range of business impacts uh, sorry business outcomes that you can impact with that so you know we know that when we get up get it right with our people they're, they're going to be you know nicer to customers better with customer experience we know that you know it, it impacts productivity people are more productive when they're engaged at work um they're more likely to stay they're more likely to speak kindly of the company i mean all this stuff is really obvious right but um i mean I, i'm a scientist i have a background in psychology and i do like the evidence to be able to sort of show people look when you get it right with your people absolutely plays that into all these these business outcomes and you know you've always got those people when i do lots of training he'll say yeah but how can you say it's definitely down to engagement um you know and with any any kind of research and you know if, if you've only got sort of one variable you're changing then then you can say it's definitely down to that one variable and everything else is kind of up for grabs but i i always make the argument that you know if you kind of go after something and you say well we're going to do this and we think it's going to result in that and you get that result then you can at least take part of the uh you know part of the, the joy of, of getting that result but you know engage for success have published a fantastic um report which i'm sure you're familiar with called the evidence so if you want to go check out, you know, the evidence for engagement, then it's, it's a free report. You can download it from their website. It's Engage for Success website. Um, it, it's all in there, really. Um, and I've got a load of stuff I can share with people as well if they need convincing. Um, but I think it's ever more important in the current situation in which we find ourselves. And it's really fascinating to see how um, companies are looking at engagement with a kind of a new lens of, of, of the COVID pandemic and how it can help you know, to keep people, um, you know, supported, um, focus on well-being, all those sorts of good areas, you know, that, that are going to be vital as we kind of move through the sort of weeks and months ahead. And that's really interesting because I think um, it's almost like, in, in my view, that the past 10 or 20 years, engagement has happened more by luck than judgment on a lot of occasion. And I think the proximity of people to each other means that it's easier just by osmosis for people to actually feel engaged within a team that they work with, et cetera. Um, and, and it's almost like there's always been that excuse, well, how do we know that this engagement activity is going to link through to business results? But, but to me, it's almost like financial accounting. That's such a norm now in organisations. It's almost like, why wouldn't mm. you? Mm. I mean, you don't see the finance department getting their pound coins and putting them in a pile in the middle and say, well, that's that sorted then. Mm. So it's almost like engagement should be just the norm that it happens. But I think what yeah. this year has shown us is actually if you start dispersing your teams and people are starting going remote and virtual or, or distributed, whichever word you want to call it, mm. then actually suddenly engagement becomes harder and suddenly it seems to sort have of rocketed up to the top in the forms of effective remote working, well-being and, and, and resilience. But the, 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 the nub of it all, I suppose, is still engagement. Is that what your feeling is of 2020? Yeah, I think um, I, if, I put, if, if I put my hand on my heart, honestly, I've been really pleasantly surprised by organisations actually probably – it's not fair to say for the first time taking this series it's not fair at all there's lots of brilliant organizations out there that, that get this right but um lots of organizations that i wouldn't have expected to have responded in the way they responded in a positive way have done it's been a it's been great and i've been very pleasantly surprised by the response of lots of organizations so um close family member won't mention the organization because obviously they're way too professional to do that but you know, he works for an organisation who, you know, 
he often says, you know, they, they just don't get this stuff. And so many times I have conversations with people, you know, in a taxi or at a party and I tell them what I do and they say, oh, you, you need to come and speak to the place that I work at. You know, they need your help. And this, this particular um, family member, he works for a company that just do not get this stuff. And he has been blown away by the way they've handled the COVID crisis. It's almost like they've kind of gone, oh, actually, you know what, we need to, to get it right with our people. We need to show that we care and we need to kind of look after their well-being. And, and he said he cannot believe the sort of 360 that this organisation has done in terms of, you know, being from, going from a place of being absolutely terrible and rubbish about anything people focus to really making a massive effort. And I've seen that in a lot of companies that I know of, that I usually work with, that suddenly they're kind of taking this stuff really seriously. So I've been ple- very pleasantly surprised by that. I thought it would have gone the other way, actually. That, you know, well, I have seen that, you know, some companies are just like, forget the people stuff, let's just hunker down and deliver the day job. We haven't got time for this kind of well-being engagement people stuff. But that's been the exception, not the norm. And I've been very buoyed by that and very... Um, very excited by that. I think it's a real opportunity for us to, you know, to, to make the most of, of what's going on. And it's lots of awful things happening in the world, but I think there's a real opportunity to kind of, you know, kind of um, build on that foundation um, and yeah, carry on the good work. Yeah. And it's interesting because I did a podcast earlier this year with Caroline Lindner, who works in wellbeing. Hi Caroline, mm. if you're listening. Um, and um she was pleasantly surprised by how mm. the well-being conversation has written to the, the fore, especially yeah. in regards to mental health and actually mm. calling it as mental health now and saying that's okay and showing a bit mm. of vulnerability. Mm. And I suppose it's we're all wishing that whatever happens after this and whatever the workplace looks like in the future, that actually this carries on. Because I do think is one of the most fundamental things about engagement, isn't it? Is actually if you can attach the company and the human together, I suppose mm. you do get an extent of personally involved, going back to your definition. Mm, absolutely, absolutely. And one of the key themes that we've seen that you know coming out of the conversations we've been having is this theme around human connection, which again sounds really obvious as most psychology does, but just this this need to connect as human beings. And again, the irony is that although many of us, not all of us, because a lot of people are still having to, you know, go to a place of work. Um, but many of us that are working remotely have actually felt more connected to colleagues, which is really weird. And again, something I wouldn't have predicted. So, you know, I work with one client um, and we've done a, a lot of work with them around, you know, getting them comfortable with being online and how they can ha- kind of have, you know, leadership development sessions online, etc. And, um, you know, some of the comments that we heard was, you know, I feel like I've really got to know my team because I'm kind of actually in their home, which is a bit weird and a bit intrusive in some ways, but actually it's kind of, it's allowed people to be the more authentic, I think, and be their real selves. And I mean, I always tell a story that early on in the, um, in, in lockdown, I was working with Starbucks and um, lovely people at Starbucks, a great company to work with. And I was doing a, a kind of a, a workshop for about 50 or so people. And um, during this workshop, my youngest son, Teddy, came in and he sort of just sort of appeared behind me. He's like, oh, what, what are you doing, mama? Now, pre-lockdown, I would have been mortified at that. Uh, and I'm, I'm of an age, I was 50 last week, I'm of an age where I kind of have quite a bit of separation between, you know, 
work persona and home persona and I'm okay with that I like to keep them pretty separate I don't like working from home because I like to have an office I go to and um you know, pre-lockdown, I would have been um, mortified at that, my lack of professionalism, you know, but it was okay. It was fine. I said, oh, hi, Teddy. And I said, oh, everybody, this is uh, my youngest son, Teddy. So he said, oh, what are you doing? So I'm running a workshop this, this you know, with the lovely people from Starbucks. He went, oh, hi. And they had a little bit of a chat to him and he had a chat back and it was lovely. And it was, it felt really different. And I've heard lots of similar stories like that. And, you know, one of, one client I work with you know one of their teams said she was working with with some of her direct reports and she didn't even know that one of them had kids and you think well how could you not have known but they had never had that conversation um I know it's difficult when you're sort of in a shared flat for example or you haven't got space to work from home and let's face it this isn't this isn't going to be forever we know it's not going to be forever but I think there are some great positive lessons that we have learned from this experience that I really hope we take with us with whatever comes next. And one of them is about genuinely connecting on a human level. It's very easy at work to put on your corporate sort of, you know, metaphorical corporate suits and, and not really show your true self. And I think it's broken down some of those barriers, which has been great. And as that, I think, has contributed to the surprising rise we've seen in employee engagement during lockdown. So, yeah. And that's interesting, isn't it? Because that bit about the, the Teddy turning up in the, in mm. the, the Starbucks thing, and uh, but other people who are in share flats. I know someone who was in a shared flat who the first day the office opened in a COVID secure environment, boom, she was there because mm. she'd spent like three months just in the bedroom and that's the only place where she could actually work from nine to five and that's where she slept and it's almost like she needed to get that some separation between work mm. and non-work mm. kind of thing and I think that that's interesting because it comes all the way back to individuality yeah but actually maybe in 2020 we're starting to realize that actually everyone is an individual we talk about mm. it we talk about uh, diversity in the workplace but actually when you actually have to as a leader get to know your people mm. at an individual level and you know that they have a cat because they turn up at 8 30 every morning on the first call of the day staring into the screen um, so I think that individuality probably leads back into engagement so, so I suppose a question for you really is how would you go about developing and improving employee engagement at the moment? Mm. I think actually the, the individuality piece is a brilliant segue into answering that question. Um, so and it goes back to the kind of the, the lack of a universal definition. You know, we, I've always been really, really clear that you cannot make assumptions about what engages people. Um, it's a really interesting kind of paradox, if you like. There are two sides of the coin when it comes to engagement. So over the years, uh, we've collected hundreds of what we call best experience stories. So we, we go into organisations and we say, tell me about your best ever time at work. We might not even mention the word engagement. Just tell me about a time when you loved what you were doing, when you were firing on your cylinders, when you couldn't wait to get to work. You look back nostalgically and go, God, it was brilliant then, wasn't it? And we would just get people to share those stories and collected hundreds of them over the years. Um, and what we find that this, the two sides of this coin are is that there are some universal themes. There are some themes that always, always come out from these stories. And we've got stories from, you know, from China, from, from the Middle East, from the US, from different like lots of sorts of organizations. So, you know, SMEs through to central government, through to private, public 
you know, not for profit, everything in between. There are some key themes that always come out um, and they are based in the kind of psychology, really. You know, we look at um, self-determination theory that Dan Pink popularised with his drive, you know, autonomy, mastery, purpose. Those are themes that always, always feature. But the other side of the coin is that there are some really unique differences depending on your individual preferences, depending on the organization you work for. There will always be some stuff that will be very, very individual to the organization, to the team, and even to the individual themselves. So for companies to make assumptions about what engages you is actually quite insulting. And it's actually quite a turnoff. If someone says, I know what's going to engage you, you think, well, no, you don't. You haven't even spoken to me. How do you know that? And I know what's going to kind of get you really motivated at work. It's actually quite, it's actually quite insulting, I think, to do that. And for me, that's the fundamental problem with the whole survey, engagement survey industry, is they decide, they know what that what they should uh, what they should be asking you, and they've developed a whole um, a whole survey process around that, that you know, their their assumptions around what engages you. Um, so, so going back to how do you engage people right now, you know, go the same applies. You, you don't make assumptions and you take the time to ask people what engages you. And you don't, you don't necessarily use that, that terminology because people might say, what do you mean by engagement? But you take the time to say, you tell me when you're at your best, what's going on for you? What's it look like? What's it feel like? What's happening? Why is it different to now? And you have those conversations and very quickly you get insight, which will tell you you know, what matters to people. And you're absolutely right, because we see um, some really interesting research out uh, from Pecom, um, who, who run a, an app, uh, like a, that gathers kind of real-time um, survey data, if you like. Um, a great piece of, piece of research out from them last week, looking at the fact that from their research, engagement has increased. And the way they've explained this increase in global engagement, it's gone up by 2%, I think, is... Um, they they found that um you know people like working flexibly they like working remotely but for me it comes down to that individual choice because there are those people who love working from home i'm not one of them i don't really like i mean i like to have the choice i like to work from home every now and again but to work from home all the time it's just like no it's my home i don't want working fringing on it it's about personal choice and i think going back to that principle of empathy of us not making assumptions about what engages people is where it should all start. And we might know 50% or more of the answer, but the rest of it, we've got to go find out. And that's what makes it really interesting, like a really big puzzle to solve. And that's great. I mean, there's so much stuff there, but I am taking, and thanks for saying thanks for the segue about individuality. I never knew that was going to be the segue, but that's great. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, that individuality, and I think the word choice is really important there, isn't it? Because if we think about some of the things that have worked in organisations in the past, is actually giving people a choice or, or giving people options of benefits, mm. options of the way you want to work, etc. And I think maybe we have been a little bit, well, if, if there's a correlation between these survey questions and engagement, then obviously it must fit for everyone. Mm. And I think we forget that individual teams within organisations have their own rituals and artefacts and yeah. things over time that has built their own culture, Absolutely. their subculture, and that also engages them. Yeah, um, yeah. And did you find when you were these stories from the best uh, the best time at work yeah. um, that that some people actually liked it when they were hard at work and they felt that flow of um, time passing and yeah. they where's it gone and yeah. 
a lot of people always think, oh, it's going to be the pool table in the corner no. or the football stadium on the roof uh, or whatever. What do you find that were the biggest themes coming out? Of yeah, that? it's a great question. So interesting that you said that. So, uh, you know, um, nobody ever says pay. And no one's ever broken my record of that. And I have collected hundreds, maybe even thousands of these stories over 15 plus years. Nobody ever says, I was at my best. I love what I was doing because I got paid lots of money because I had great coffee or we had the ping pong table or the free beer Fridays or my own parking space. And all that stuff that companies get really caught up on trying to, you know, recreate the whole kind of, you know, the kind of Google example of like, it's an amazing place to work. And actually, that's not what does it for people. You think about how a lot of people have been more engaged in working at home home isn't even an office for most people it's just you know finding a space somewhere um that's not to say to go back to the theory here you know and, and i'm sure your your listeners are probably pretty familiar with hertzberg's hygiene motivation factor theory so the two-factor theory what he he posits is that you know we need some we need the hygiene stuff needs to be in place for us to not be dissatisfied so for us to be okay we need the hygiene stuff in, but we're never going to be motivated by the hygiene stuff. And you know, we expect to be paid for a job well done. It's a basic as a hygiene factor. Of course we do. Um, so the hygiene stuff, I'm not saying it isn't important because it is. You have to get it right. But that's not the stuff that really unlocks that potential. It's not the stuff that helps people to thrive. And the stuff that does, you know, there are these universal themes. So, you know, um, the, the mastery piece from Autonomy Mastery Purpose that was kind of popularized by Dan Pink, that, um, you know, that the, the sort of stories that people share always tend to feature some sort of challenge or some sort of problem to be solved. People never say, I was at my best, I was loving it because I could come in at nine and leave at five, it's dead easy. We're not at our best in those situations. We like to be challenged. We like to feel like we've really nailed something or delivered something so those sorts of themes absolutely tend to come through so we tend to find people like meaning at work um and there's been a lot of work with like purpose it's been kind of a real you know buzz buzz area for the last few years and, and absolutely you know i'm not saying that that's that's wrong but i think meaning can also be like individual meaning i mean i was i was sort of joke about um time i was a student and i work for a you know, for a lettuce trimming factory. And I don't have purpose at work. I didn't go in every day and go, hey, I'm helping to put, you know, salad on the nation's table. You know, I, I didn't care about the job I was doing. It, it meant nothing to me. I didn't care about the, the purpose of the organisation. I think trying to force fit a big, you know, transcendental purpose is, is sometimes, again, a bit insulting. If you can do it, great, but it, don't try to force it. And I think I like meaning more because meaning, I can get, meaning for my job without there needing to be a big purpose above that so I can go in every day and do a job that might not be my career for life but I can get a bit of meaning because I know that it you know that it's appreciated or that it matters to someone somewhere without having that big purpose so I think meaning for me is a better way of phrasing that um autonomy always features people like autonomy we are hardwired for it um we also you know the relationship side of things you know working with other people whether it's our boss our colleagues our customers we we like to have that connection those relationships they that always features as well um so the, those are some of the kind of the, the key themes that that come out um a sense of achievements of delivering something they, they tend to come out as well so um there are those universal themes, but equally there are the differences as well. So I always quote um, two, cl two clients of ours that we worked with over the years, Rolls-Royce, um, not the car Rolls-Royce, the, um, the, the other Rolls-Royce. Um, when we did 
best experience stories with them you know a lot of their sort of universal themes were what I've talked about plus I knew exactly what was expected of me there was a really clear brief it was a black and white so that real kind of clarity work versus when we work with the British Council who kind of you know waved the flag from Britain abroad do lots of amazing work you know a big theme for them was the sense of adventure and you know, uh, a risk taking, I never quite knew I was going to be waking up the next week. And also the social side. So they're very socially bonded as a team. They kind of work hard, play hard sort of mentality. So you can see how what engages those two audiences was quite different, actually. So just use that as an, as an example to bring it to life for people. And that's interesting, because I think that really takes us back almost to the start of our conversation, that actually there is this kind of engagement can't be defined properly. It can, and and I I still love your your extent that they're personally evolved, because actually each organization has a different path it's on, its maturity and everything, and getting people to Mm. come on that journey without purpose with a capital p mm. being thrown at them and i love the thought about meaning and 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 you talk about autonomy and 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 that kind of then links back to perceived control and mm. then that links into resilience and people's individual resilience so mm. it's quite important for this year and and do you think therefore that there's for engagement to work the team leader the line manager has an important role in this as much as the senior people in an organization yeah, I, I would say they have a more important role than the senior people personally. Not Again, people say it has to start at the top. But I think, you know, yes, if you're in a small, highly connected organisation, but most of us work in, you know, well, lots of people work in very big sort of disparate organisations where they might not even know who the person at the top is, you know. And, um, you know, I think it's a really obvious thing to say but I think you know your line manager can make or break your whole experience at work you can love your job you can love the people you work with you can love what the company is all about all that good stuff but if you've got a bad boss um everything else kind of pales into insignificance but I also think you know it's too easy to kind of give line managers a beating I get quite um passionate about this one because I think organizations have traditionally let line managers down I think there's a couple of things I think one they just sort of automatically assume they'll know how to do this stuff without giving them any support and development to be able to do it and that's not fair because it is quite an intangible thing you know to be told go out and engage your teams most people go I have no idea what on earth I'm supposed to do with that where do I start what do I do how do I do this you know so I think you know one we need to make it really easy for managers line managers to do the right thing and I think that starts with first of all focusing on them as employees because they are employees as well so let's talk to them about their engagement first let's get them in a good place let's get them thinking about how it feels to work somewhere and what they can do to, to make a difference and once you've taken them through that, they're in a much better place then to kind of engage their teams. And they've been through the journey themselves. They go, okay, I know, I get it. I know what to do. I can do that with my team. That's actually dead easy. Like, you know, having a best experience conversation, right? So simple. If you've been through that once yourself, or I say to somebody, you know, just 10 minutes, five minutes each, swap a story about the time when you love being at work and talk about it. And very quickly when you do that and then you go around the room, you ask people to share their partner's stories, you know, they get it straight away. They're like, oh, yeah, you see what's, you know, what words are popping up on the flip chart or on the virtual board, the Miro board, if we're doing it virtually. It's really obvious straight away what this is all about. And you can see the light bulbs going off 10 to the dozen. People are going, it's not pay. It's not the free beer Fridays. Oh, my goodness. This is 
this makes so much sense. It's so obvious, but they've, they've never really been given the opportunity to A, talk about it and B, you know, ha- have a big guidance around how to do this stuff. And then once they've been through that, it's like, do you think you go away and have a conversation with your teams like that? And people go, oh, yeah, that's dead simple. I can do that. And suddenly that's a really great start- starting point because what appears on the flip chart or the Miro board as a result of doing this I would say usually about 80% plus of it is within a local team's gift to control. So it's not stuff they've got to take back to HR or L&D or whoever to fix. It's actually so much of it is like, oh, we can kind of crack on with that ourselves, can't we? And it's just about opening up those lines of communication. So I think that line managers absolutely have a really critical role to play, but I think that we need to help them to do this, not just assume that they'll somehow magically know how to engage their teams. So I suppose what you could say um, is that for organisations in 2020 where a lot has changed, mm. to, to actually get down to the individual employee and help them uh, engage their people at an individual level, we need to equip the line managers with how the world has changed and how you can still motivate, engage um, their, their teams at an individual level. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think it's all about that, really. I think it's, you know, that's the that's where it, kind of the rubber hits the road when it comes to engagement. Like you do some amazing things. You have like a brilliant strategic narrative and a great vision, all that good stuff. But ultimately, you know, your day-to-day experience is, is so um, influenced by, you know, who you're working for. So, yeah, it's a great well, place to start. I did hint before we started this podcast, my usual phrase <laughs> at this point is we've kind of run out of time as much as I'm loving this. This has been uh, amazing. So just thinking of the listeners who are listening in, to this podcast um, and assuming that we're not in 2021 and the end of the world is nigh and everything <laughs> after the, this year. Um, what's the one thing that you would probably say to the people listening in to give them something to reflect upon, a little bit of advice about what they can do to help raise engagement or mm. stop engagement lowering in their organization mm. this year? I would say the single most useful tool that I would I've used over, over my 20 plus years of doing this is, is is using something like best experience. So something as simple as going out and saying to people, we're not going to make assumptions about what good looks like for you. We're going to take the time to talk to you as human beings um, and ask you to tell us. And just the simple act of, you know, running some best experience workshops, stories, whatever you want to do it and collecting that insight a, the process itself is super engaging because you're talking to me like a human being. You're asking me. That feels great. I feel like you actually want me to you know, make my voice heard. You're interested in me. You care. Brilliant. Lots of great ticks there. But B, the insight you get back from that will give you everything that you need. And, and nine times out of ten, when we run this with companies, they look at the insight they get back from best experience versus their survey, and they realize they've been working on completely the wrong things for many years, which is why they haven't really seen the improvements. It's like, yeah, you know, um, obvious when you know it, but if you don't know it, it, you know, it's really to keep doing the same thing and get the same results. So I would say that's my single most useful um, piece of advice is to start with the best experience story and find out what good looks like for your people and go from there. Well, Emma, that, that's great. And it's a great bit of advice. And I'd already written that down to, to take away myself. So I've got a whole page full of notes here. Um, it's been great talking to you. I think you're, you're, you're very um, articulate about what employee engagement is in something that can be quite confusing for people who when it's such an elephant of a subject. So thank you very much for that. But I did promise 
um, before we came on on air that I would give you half a minute to plug your upcoming new book in 2021. So what's it going to be about? So the new book is, um, <clears throat> excuse me, it's called Employee Experience by Design. So, you know, the way you get to great engagement is by intentionally designing fantastic experiences, experiences that, that result in that positive emotion, which is what, you know, results in engagement. So it's um, it's using, it's, I've co-authored it with a with a fantastic colleague of mine called Belinda Ganaway, and um she kind of brings along the design thinking aspect and I've brought along the, um, the, the positive psychology and, and together we've got a really great kind of uh, framework for helping you design fantastic experiences that will result in engagements. So that's out in March and um, you can pre-order it now on Amazon if you are so inclined. Otherwise, you know, grab it in March and again, deliberately try to make it very, very plain English and user-friendly and very applied and very practical so you can actually, as a practitioner, go away and do something with it. So... Fantastic. And of course, that's March 2021. If anyone's going through the back catalogue of the podcast, it'll be the one with five stars on Amazon, I'm sure, if they're going back in the future. (laughs) Well, Emma, it's been absolutely great. Thanks ever so much for joining me today. Um, And to our listeners, um, that's it for now. If you want to find out more about employee engagement, then please do visit our website at tapsolutions.com. Or of course, you can go to Emma's website at peoplelab.co.uk. But thanks for listening. And we'll be back soon. Bye.